0: You're listening to From the Burgundy Chairs, a podcast for health system leaders created by Santis Health.
1: Hello listeners, my name is Ian Chesney and I'm a senior consultant here at Santis Health. Today I am joined by Harry Caton to discuss regulated health professions in Ontario, lessons learned from across Canada, and what challenges and opportunities Ontario's regulatory model presents to policymakers. Before we dive in, I want to introduce our guest. Harry Caton brings a wealth of knowledge to the field of professional regulation. He is the former chief executive for the Professional Standards Authority in the UK and developed the principles of right-touch regulation, which have been adopted by professional regulators around the world. Harry has led many reviews and inquiries and advised governments in the UK, Canada, Australia, Ireland, New Zealand, and Hong Kong. Most recently, He led the inquiry into the Health Professions Act in British Columbia, the report of which was published by the BC Minister of Health in April of 2019. He is currently advising a number of regulatory organizations in Canada, as well as the Independent Medicines and Medical Devices Safety Review in England. Mr. Caden received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Royal College of Psychiatrists and was awarded a fellowship through distinction from the Faculty of Public Health. He has also been awarded the Commander of the Order of the British Empire, which recognizes his service to the healthcare system through regulatory reform. Due to social distancing, we are not actually in the studio today, and we are holding our conversation virtually. But it is lovely to have you here over Zoom today. Thank you for joining us, Harry. Thank you very much. Nice to be with you. So your work in this field really is international. I mean, it spans multiple continents. It's been incredibly influential but it's also relatively niche um, in terms of professional regulation, reform and optimization. Can you, can you tell us a bit about your work and what, what it aims to do?
0: Well, I think, I think that use of the word niche is, um, is a good one. I, I often say that those of us who are interested in regulation are pretty nerdy sort of people. Um, but you know, actually the truth is, I'm, uh, I'm not really um, focused on regulation. I'm focused on uh, public protection um, and on the engagement and involvement of patients in their own healthcare. And I came into regulation really through that consumer point of view. How could we make professional regulation really operate in the interests of consumers? So, from my point of view, regulation is a tool for improving the quality of healthcare. And for helping health professionals to be better engaged with their patients and better focused on the safety of patients and on the protection of the public. So, um, you know, I I sometimes say I'm a sort of anti-regulator, which is not to say I don't think it's important, but I don't think it's the purpose of what we do. Uh, the, it's only a tool for doing what we want, which is to improve health care and to protect the public.
1: So on on healthcare specifically, I mean, where do you feel Canadian jurisdictions such as BC, Alberta, Ontario rank uh internationally with respect to uh, providing really efficient and safe regulatory systems for health professions and patients?
0: Well, I think it would be churlish to say anything other than that, you know, Canada is a is a safe, well-organized country and healthcare generally is good. That's not to say that it can't be improved, and it's not to say that regulation itself can't be improved. Uh, And, of course, what we do have in Canada, which I find very interesting, of course, is a provincial government system in which health regulation and healthcare generally are devolved to the provinces, and therefore um, we have huge variation between the provinces in Canada in the way in which they organise and deliver professional regulation. Um, So for me, what's happened over the last three or four years, um, as I've been working in Canada physically, but also prior to that, when I was visiting Canada a lot to meet colleagues and speak at conferences and so on, I've seen quite a significant shift, um, both in the thinking of people who work in professional regulation in Canada but also in governments. So BC is now, um, obviously, I would say this, wouldn't I, but BC is taking the lead in reforming professional regulation quite significantly. Only this week, Alberta has published uh, proposals for restructuring their regulatory framework. Um, Ontario has been working for some years, and I've um, had good working relationships with people in Ontario, um, but Ontario has not perhaps moved as far fast, as far forward as fast as I would have expected, um, and we do see changes developing both in Quebec and in uh, and in some of the provinces to the east as well. So what we have in Canada is a patchwork of um, similar but different approaches. Uh, most of which I would say are adequate, but some of which are better than others.
1: And so your work in BC with the College of Dental Surgeons is, is quite fascinating. And I, it's really led, led to some pretty major reforms and really an entire overhaul of the entire system. And now with the majority government in BC, you know I assume those reforms may be able to move a bit faster. But can you provide a bit of background, like what led to this work and and how did you kind of get to your recommendations in terms of overall Health Professions Act reform?
0: Well, the the background is um, fairly simply that I I had um, worked with the nursing uh, college in BC over a number of years when they were moving towards their um, merger and their um, improvement work there. Uh, I'd met a lot of uh, regulatory colleagues in BC. I'd met with the uh, officials at the ministry. But the invitation from Minister Dix, the Minister of Health in BC, which came to me, I think, in March 2018, did, from my point of view, come somewhat out of the blue. Um, I I had a a phone call when I was here in London saying the minister would like to appoint me to... um, oversee this statutory inquiry into the um, College of Dental Surgeons, but also to look at the whole working of the Health Professions Act. Um, So I accepted that brief um, and I started work fairly promptly in the summer of uh, 2018 uh, and delivered my report at the end of that year. And it was published um, in the spring of 2019. So um, progress has been remarkably fast. Um, I did find, and it's all in my report, so I think I can be quite blunt about this, I did find a highly dysfunctional um, board of the College of Dental Surgeons at the time. Um, I found a committed, a huge number of committed individuals, both in the staff team and in the board, Um, But clearly, people were out of their depth in terms of the problems they were facing and how to deal with them. And what I would say that has been quite remarkable is the transformation of that college in a relatively short period of time, little more than a year, into a really highly performing college with an entirely new board and um, a whole set of new structures and organisations. So I give them credit. Parallel to that, the ministry set up an all-party working group to uh, review my recommendations and to consult on on its own. That working group also um, really, I think, worked together in a very constructive and um, bipartisan way, and um, they produced two consultation documents and the final proposals, which, uh, if people don't know, Um, proposed the reduction of um, 20 regulators to um, five or six, um, significant changes to governance, removal of elections of uh, council members, changes to the complaints and discipline process, um, improvements to reporting and transparency. So I'm delighted, I have to say, about the way in which people in BC and the professional regulators in BC have stepped up to that challenge and are committed to making the changes they need to make.
1: And I've read your BC report. And I mean, when you read it, you you can't help but see the parallels between BC and Ontario. So I mean, BC, as you mentioned, has 20 colleges, Ontario 26. Both statutes really date back 30 plus years, the 80s and 90s. There's been ongoing criticism about the ability to protect patients and respond to complaints in Ontario as well. And both models really appear to be focused on protecting titles and strictly regulating scopes of practice. Um, So, I mean, what should Ontario take from the BC experience?
0: Well, um, I think it should ask itself questions about the number of different regulators Um, I think it's very difficult for small regulators with limited resource to do all the things that their mandate requires them to do. And I think that the idea that every single separate occupation needs to have its own separate regulatory college is an out-of-date concept, um, particularly increasingly as we deliver healthcare through teamwork. And... um, So people need to work in teams, they need to be regulated in teams. And so the old idea that I'm special and I have nothing to do with a different kind of health profession is just not true in practice. Um, So I think larger, multi-occupational colleges um, will deliver a more efficient and effective form of regulation. I think moving away from elections... Because elections mean that people are elected to boards with the view that they're somehow representing the interests of a group of professions. And that's not what a regulator is for. That's what an association is for. Entirely legitimate to be a professional association and represent the interests of nurses or doctors. But a regulator is there to protect the public. And it's not there to represent the interests of professions. So I would like to see... Um, boards councils whatever you call them appointed um, by merit and by open competition I'd like to see them reduced in size I think that will all help to uh, modernize and to move forward and I would like to see far more public members sitting on regulatory councils and boards so 50 50 um, because after all they're there for the public Uh, and so I do think as well that in Ontario, I would have liked to have seen a greater commitment to transparency. I know that Ontario has recently worked very hard. and A lot of the regulators have worked together on um, building a a sort of framework of performance measurement. I am, to be honest, a little sceptical that it's focused not enough on outcomes and quite a lot on measuring process but it's a step in the right direction. I hope that will be implemented and I hope it will result in much more public, comparable data about different regulators.
1: So, I mean, we touched on this about, you know, health professions and scope of practice. And and that's one issue that I've seen with respect to the Regulated Health Professions Act in Ontario is that it's, it's quite rigid and it's largely based on legislated scopes of practice and i mean given what we're seeing now where you know many professions their education and their training goes well beyond what they're sort of boxed in with in terms of their own regulation i mean how would a new model be more responsive to that
0: well i think you put your finger in on a really interesting point lots of uh, regulatory models Um, particularly in the UK, for instance, do not try and write scope of practice into legislation. The primary um, control is that you must meet the professional standards set out by your regulator, and you must never work outside your competence. But it is primarily for you as a professional based on your qualifications, to say what your scope of competence is. And this allows for much more flexibility, as you suggest. Um, it also means that people can specialise more readily within a particular profession. Um, so it allows for depth as well as breadth. And it also means you can change your standards much more easily as new techniques and new approaches come in. And it is one of the interesting things, of course, medicine is a very fast-moving technology and research-driven occupation. So um, I certainly know when I was um, working with the Royal College of Dental Surgeons in Ontario that, that it took them a considerable length of time because of the requirements to change the scope of practice to bring in um, new standards around, for instance, new forms of radiography uh, to be used in dentistry, which um, we, if they hadn't had that legislative framework, they could have done much more quickly and to everyone's satisfaction. <clears throat> so I think legislating for scopes of practice does, um, is rather a sort of sclerotic way of doing regulation and it slows down change and it slows down innovation. So, um, I think it's much better to protect title and to define the use of title through competency frameworks and to make it very clear that to work outside your scope of competence would be a, a regulatory failure. So, uh, I think you're right to put your finger on that particular issue. As uh, you know, there was a time 30 years ago when it was thought to be very progressive. But that was 30 years ago and times change. And, you know, again, to throw in the risks that are arising out of the pandemic, I mean, one of the things that's arisen from the pandemic is lots of regulators changing their rules to allow, for instance, students to work, to allow retired um, uh, professionals to come back to work, to give people a little bit more flexibility about how they work. Well, there's going to be a lot of people saying, look... Uh, It was okay. We didn't cause trouble. Nobody died. Why do we need these rules in the future? Can we be more flexible and open in the future? So I think there's going to be some pressure on regulators to justify why they might go back to restrictions that they've um, satisfactorily loosened during the pandemic.
1: I want to read you something that the outgoing registrar of the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Ontario said when he departed the college. And he was commenting, I believe, on some of the governance changes that the College of Nurses of Ontario had put forward. And he stated, and I quote, I believe it is only a matter of time before we see these types of changes introduced in professional health care healthcare governance in Ontario. I believe the term self-regulation is well on its way to the dustbin of history. What do you make of that statement?
0: Um well <laughs> uh, <laughs> I presume that's the great Rocco Garacci. He's right. Um I don't think I'd use the term dustbin because I think that it has served its time. And um I don't I wouldn't want to reject the self-regulatory model as having had no utility but it is no longer sufficient and I like to talk about we don't have self-regulation we have shared regulation and by that I mean regulation that is shared between the profession uh, and the public that they serve in the interests of society as a whole. Um, I do think self-regulation in the old-fashioned sense of the profession determining everything about how the profession runs and having no accountability to anyone is just no longer going to work.
1: Harry, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your perspective.
0: It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find this episode and more on our website at santishealth.ca and on our Twitter at santishealth. This has been From the Burgundy Chairs.